Hey, yo, check this out. This is DJ Evil D. It's Mr. Walt, man. We represent that Beat Minor crew. That's right, that Beat Minor sound. And right now, y'all checking out Dad Bod Rap Pod. Word That's up. That's right. If you want to hear the flavor, the flavor is right here. And now, it's time for the Dad Bod Rap Pod with your hosts, Damone Carter, David Ma, and Nate Yolong. Three underground rap nerds walked into a bar. An argument ensued about who the goats are. The seed was a thought that would turn into a pod. Now fans worldwide say... Not a bad job, the ad hoc cab squad Who chronicles the vanguard of hip-hop at large Rap taste slacked off, no need to be mad, dog. Look no further, it's the dad bod Rap, pop, 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 pop. Oh, yeah uh, I don't think these peeps know Yo, it's finally on for real, dude Brothers better recognize Smith and Wesson up in the chain. Fuck down, boo cat. Bring us up. Raised like a rock on the block where the cops carry and the hard rocks carry with props and black hearts. Meet up with my peeps on the corner in the morn. Get zoned, get on, and prepare to get it on. What does it take to get the break in the world of snakes in the Podcasting live from San Jose, California, it is the Dad Bod Rap Pod. I am one third of your host, Damone Carter, aka Dib One. I am joined by my man's uh, Nate LeBlanc, who, when we were off mic, was talking about how he wore a flannel that is now too big for him. Say more. Uh, this is a Uniqlo flannel. It's an XL. I used to have to wear XL as my normal shirt size just to get it around my gut, even though I'm short. So all my shirts are super long, but I lost a bunch of weight at the end of last year. So it's just like now I'm just like, it's like, you know, Swimming. How, um, when girls steal your shirt. Yep. So it's like they just like oversize is the style. Yeah. I tried it today. I didn't like it. No. I, I'm going to just buy a new shirt. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's a good problem to have. It is, man. Uh, shout out to you on on sticking to your uh, your health regimen. Dave achieves this with whiskey and cigarettes, <laughs> which continues to amaze. Dave Ma, how's it going, man? Hey, good to see you guys in the flesh again um, at Damone's place. I'm sitting on the floor. Do you treat all your guests this way? Uh, only my closest friends. Uh, what's the elusive line? Don't invite me to your house and ask me to remove my shoes if your, your floor is ain't... dirty. <laughs> Let's go. Oh, no, floors ain't clean. Floors ain't clean. Yes. Yeah. So um, good. So I just vacuumed. <laughs> so just just know that welcome it's good to be back y'all it is another season of dad bod rap pod and we are off to the races with some amazing interviews in just a few minutes you'll be hearing our interview with the beat miners dj evil d and mr walt nate i'm gonna admit something and i'm gonna look like an asshole but it's all good um, Don't worry, it's not recorded and yeah, exactly. <laughs> two by thousand disseminated. Or yeah, yeah. Uh, laugh at me on your podcast. Um, <laughs> so I'll admit that for many years, and maybe until like two or three years, when I saw it actually spelled, I didn't know that Mr. Walt's name was Mr. Walt. What did you think it was? I thought it was Mr. Wall. 
like like the things that are surrounding us with yeah. posters and whiteboards. Yeah, especially on them. because it's always said with this like "Peace, Mister Wall." So you yeah. thought you thought it was produced by Paul Wall? So. <laughs> Paul Wall's dad, Mister Wall. Paul Wall's dad, Mister Wall. Address him properly. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, I wow. mean, what's mu- what's Music Factory without Mr. Wall? <sighs> music Factory, famously an open air uh, record <laughs> spot in Queens. Uh, that's super funny, dude. Yeah, so Mr. Um, Wall. I thought you. The only thing I would think you were like a logical leap would be you know how they have those tools called Dewalt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to do something right. with that. Right. Peace, Mr. Dewalt. Because <laughs> um, he got them tools. Miss Dewalt. Yeah, Miss Dewalt. <laughs> Because he got the tools. No, I, I remember reading it one day, and I was like, oh, that makes a lot more sense now. Yeah. Uh, Walt, a name you don't hear much anymore. Mm. Uh, shout out to Eclipse 327. 427. 427. Sorry. Sorry, Eclipse, uh, who did change his name to Walt Licker, which I always oh. thought was great. Yeah. His stage name or his real name? Um... No, no, no. I think he no, changed no. the stage name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Years of paperwork. Yeah. Um, <laughs> having to he had to get his liquor license. Like. He's at City Hall all day. Uh, I don't know if this would be amusing to people not from San Jose, California, but uh, it's very amusing to me who is from San Jose, California. There was a liquor store kind of on the outskirts of my neighborhood when I was growing up oh, I know that was called Ball Liquors. Yeah. And uh, if you just change yeah. it, one little inflection... When you're a little kid, it's like, my mom is driving me to ball liquors. <laughs> that joke will never get old. Yeah. Um, over there, it's like on white, right? It was no? like in the 80s. Okay. I don't think it still is. Oh. Is it? No, it, it, it uh, shut down semi-recently. I think, uh, oh. SJ did Foos uh, did a thing Didn't on survive it. the pandemic? Yeah. <laughs> As many ball liquors didn't. <laughs> nice. Of all the moves, that was the one where everyone was like, no. Yeah, not during the pandemic. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Mr. Walt and Evil D are brothers. Um, they That's are right. shockingly gregarious, and we had such a good time talking to them. Like that, this is one of my favorite interviews in Dude, a long time. Dude, I'm so jealous. I mean, this is the one where I actually had to sit out, but I'm I'm really looking. But forward you hooked to it up though, and we super appreciate the Thank booking. You guys. Yeah. We wish you would have been there. Uh, but we just got along super well with them. They were yeah. I, like, I think at the end, I'm not sure if it's going to make the edit. I'm like, you guys should have a podcast. Oh, they 100 percent sh- should, and we'll talk more about uh, sibling rivalries and connections uh, on the back end of the episode. But they have a great rapport with each other, which I thought was really interesting because as somebody who has, they siblings, really like each other. They do. Yeah, they do, and I, that's not always the case. Uh, <laughs> especially when you're like in the same lane or profession, right? Um, they have a, a really strong bond. So it was great to see that they were both in the house um, in which most of their renowned hits were produced, which was really cool. So we caught the beat miners in the mine, if you will. Um, and it was super dope. So yeah, it just, it got me thinking about uh, production teams and some of the best beat minor beats which it was great to hear them talk about um who did what because there's some there were some uh misconceptions about oh walt is just the record guy and evil d does the production so they clarify that i'm not going to step on that part but they did a great job of uh kind of clarifying what who was doing what and they the short story is they're they're all dope ass producers um dave when you think about beat miners 
what's a, a standout beat for you? Well, for me, I mean, I th- and I think for most people, um, their Black Moon production stands out. So, you know, who, who got the props is huge uh, for me as well. Um, even though they weren't credited as the beat miners I, on that, I don't think. Mm. Um, having said that, though, um, I was looking through their catalog of production and I was just kind of blown away by like how much stuff they've done and or, and also more so how much stuff that I didn't realize was by them but, and um, like even like weird Bahamadia beats that they did were cool but um, anyways having said that I don't mean to bury the lead um, I was going through the Black Star album and I didn't know that they made that beat which, which one? Astronomy. Uh, Astronomy, Eighth no. Light. So I, I saw the credit and was like, wait, which song did, did they did? And hopefully it's a good one. And, uh, <laughs> it was a great one. So um, that kind of, wow. that right now, as it stands, is sort of my standout Beat Miners production. Man, that's such a great choice. Such a great beat. Totally. And I feel like Beat Miners, their sound, especially, you know, kind of from Black Moon to maybe you know, 99, 2000. What if they had only decided to work with groups that the first word was black? Black Moon, Black Star. They could have done a couple albums with Black Thought. <laughs> black Thought. Yeah, who else? Keep going. Uh, black Rob. Black Rob. Ah. He probably needed a career rebound after Woe. I mean, yeah. you know, if he wanted to go like back underground. That's hilarious. Um, all Black? I mean, I'm going to have to think about that right, some more. Right. Uh, uh, that guy Six Lack? If they would have waited a while. Sizzlack. <laughs> no Sizzlack. For that oh, R&B man. Timberland sound. I'm going to think of like 20 jokes once we're done, too. <laughs> like, fuck. Yeah, they, their sound really encapsulated a, a time and an era in a way that um, not a lot of production companies can say. I'd say only, um, you know, you think about the great ones, the Neptunes, the Bomb Squads. Mm-hmm. They had a particular sound, right? Um, and even though it's multiple people, when you say Eighth Light is uh, uh, the astronomy joint, is beat miners, I'm like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. That makes perfect sense. It's so interesting how that sets the tone for the whole rest of the album, and I never even associated that with them at all. Like, right, you know, right, it's just like right. I, you, you think about uh, Sean J. Period, who they shout out. The, you think about High Tech, obviously, yeah. who was working so tough with... Um, Quali at the time and is mentioned several times in the album, but that's I don't know. I, I never really put that together either. Yeah, it's got, it was really uh, cool to see because I mean th- I feel like they've done done this throughout their career. Just like oh, here's a beat miners track you yeah. know, on this random awesome album. Yeah, just good placements, just good solid placements. Absolutely. Uh, what's your track, Nate? I'm gonna go with one of the uh, lightly aforementioned Bahamadia tracks. Oh. Um, I've always really liked the collage album and the one that I think um, is just such a good fusion of her raspy um, coffee house kind of like laid back flow and um, just some solid beat miners production is called the uh, spontaneity. Mm. It's an album track from the album collage. Sick. Uh, but I will say the funniest one that I came across and I had to like do like a triple take, like make sure I was Googling multiple sources is they produced that uh, any man who jumps in front of a minivan uh, song for Eminem from Sound Bombing <laughs> oh, 2. I saw that it's like, too. It's, it's basically Eminem's last underground song. Like yeah. it was already kind of coming out right. um, with Dre stuff. And then that came out and it's like, whoa, they got Eminem on the new sound bombing. And like, yeah, right, I'm, right. I'm a sound bombing one dude, as you're about to hear in this interview. And they give us so much detail on that, oh, so like sick. more than I could ever have wanted or not. It just asked for, I want it all. But, um, yeah, that, uh, Eminem and the beat miners, like who to thunk it, man. 
There was a time. It's one of those things where like you had to be there. Like Eminem had production from Dilated Peoples at a time. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like, okay, there was a time and a place. um, But that track in particular used to just fucking, I don't know if I loved it as much as it just busted me up every fucking time. It's it's a funny song. (laughs) It's like one of Eminem's like very wordy early, like kind of like, it's like, listenable Eminem, but then it has the annoying screechy chorus. Uh, which mm. it must to be an Eminem joint. While we're here, can I just say that guys with convertibles, the number one rapper that they'll play is Eminem. <laughs> and the number one song that they will play is fucking uh, Without Me. This looks like a job for me. Oh my I've God. heard that so many times. I, and I'm I like, can fully picture that. It's, and it I'm like, of all the songs... Not, not, you know, I am. so empty without roof. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like of all the goofy ass songs. To, I can uh, only picture the Batman and Robin video. Like, yeah. I, I hate that song so much. It's so annoying. So much, yeah. dude. Yeah. It's so like uh, how guys with motorcycles with the big speakers can only play Lowrider. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you'll get a James Brown occasionally. Dude, I'll yeah, yeah, yeah. love a James Brown. Yeah. Of course, yeah, take yeah. James Brown in basically any form, but. Yeah, it's just like yeah, it's like you're not even a lowrider. You're close to the ground by the like the uh, the engineering of the vehicle. Your feet can touch the ground, but it's not a lowrider. Cholos, please address your hate mail to Nate J LeBlanc. I say you can play lowrider whenever you want. Don't hurt me. Um, my beat miners track is a track that really holds special significance for me. I didn't get into it on the. Um, the interview itself, because I didn't want to get all emotional, but uh, Tracks A Million and I used to like spend hours listening to the instrumental of Let's Get It On. Mm. from Marvin uh, Gaye. <laughs> ball lickers were addressed earlier in this program. <laughs> We've moved on from that. We've moved on from that. Hilarious. Uh, Smith & Wesson from their album The Shining. Mm. And we, we would wear it out. We freestyled over it like, we're doing pause mixes with it. Like, we were fucking with it so hard that uh, Tracks A Million's dad, who was a bass player, maybe two or three hours in, he was like, hey, y'all, I, you guys have to stop playing He was that. like, hey, let's get it off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you guys have to stop. You have to stop playing this song over and over. Like, you just have to. That's like, hilarious. for the love of God. Um, but I don't know how any parents of hip-hop adjacent people stand it. Like, if you don't know the intricacies of the music, it is so repetitive. I know the intricacies. <laughs> I know the incri- intricacies. I know the intricacies of the music, and the shit still gets on my nerves. Yeah. Right, you know what right, I mean? Yeah. Right. Uh, so I can only imagine uh, what Pops was going through when we wore out that, that tape. But that song in particular, their back and forth flow on it, which you'll hear a little tidbit about that song in particular during the interview. Um, it's it's bare bones. It's like really just a, a hard ass drum line and a bass line. There isn't too much melody or other instrumentation, but it just works so well. And I think it encapsulates um, the best of that kind of minimal East Coast uh, production that I was so enamored with at the time. And, and I do want to say we talked a lot about the B minors, or maybe it's just Evil D's, but it's I don't know how it's credited. You were t- referring to this earlier on Into the Stage. It's like Evil D's a member of the group, right? But are we counting that? I think we're counting that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we talked extensively about the production on it. I don't want to like yeah. recycle those takes. That was fairly recently. It was at the end of last year. We did a full um, retrospective on the Into the Stage album, and That's I actually right. kind of 
said I didn't like it that much, which is more <laughs> the lyrical part of it for me. And I praise the beats a lot, so I don't want to recycle those takes. But we, we like we fucks with the beat miners like oh, yeah. pretty hard. Like they're an excellent group who really define a certain sound. And um, we just talked about that on our into the stage retrospective at the end of last year. I don't know what number it is off the top of my head, but if you guys want to, if you want, if you're thinking this is a little surface level. Go back and listen to that episode. Into the stage, and you will see that it's not, <laughs> it is not just surface level. Yeah, we did a dive. We had um, we had Def C and uh, Adam, Adam Mon- Mansback. Mansback. I'm reading the book now. Just You're reading the book? Everyone book? To know the that. Gollum of the Brooklyn? Gollum yeah, book? the Gollum it's of good? Brooklyn. Yeah, He's it, a it great is good. It's, um, He's a great writer. It's very steeped in Jewish history, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm doing a kind of reading where I'm not looking everything up. But if I wanted to, you could, if I had that kind of time, if I had a like, computer with me like, and I was double screening, I could be learning so much. Like I'm yeah. just kind of like, okay, that's a pretty deep reference. I'm going to have to move on. But yeah. it, it is really fun, um, great story. And I, I told him I would read it when we interviewed him that day, and I, yeah. I am currently reading it now. So so we'll call you Nate Alec Yamaka. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, things are going great for Jewish people right now, so anyone who wants to address that hate mail, you can DM me on... No, just kidding. Uh, yeah, I I think in that episode, um, I think Adam Monsbach had some some great takes on the, on the evolution of, the, of not only Black Moon, but of kind of the beat minor sound. So definitely check that out. But let's get into this interview. We're talking about the t- thing that we talked about. So let's hear it. This is our interview with Beat Miners, Dad Bod, Rap Pod. What is the black star? Is it the cat with the black shades, the black car? Is it shining from very far to where you are? It is commonplace and different, intimate and distant, fresher than an infant. Black, my family thick like that strap molasses. Star on the rise in the eyes of the masses. Black is the color of my true love's hair. Stars are bright shining, hot balls of air. Black like my baby girl stare. Black like the veil that the Muslimina wear. Black like the planet that they fear. Why they scared? Dead Bod Rap Pod. Every week we talk to people who have moved and shaped hip-hop culture. This week is no different. Joining us in Zoom, we have... Mr. Walt and Evil D, founding members of the Beat Miners. How y'all doing? What's up, man? How you doing? How y'all doing? Yes, what's up, man? Shit, man. Uh, living the dream. Glad to have you guys on the program. Uh, we're obviously big fans of the work. I'm going to talk about y'all storied careers. Um, I, I want to start with this question because over the years, I've, I've always wondered, like, why a production crew? Rap crews, there's definitely a lot of rap crews. You don't often see product, uh, producers link up um, in the way that y'all did with Beat Miners. Could, um, maybe we'll start with you, uh, Mr. Walt. Could you guys talk about a little bit about just why you decided to, uh, number one, make a group of the two of y'all and then expand it with other producers? <laughs> well, we, tr- I mean, the two, I mean, if, you, if anybody who didn't know, if you was living on the, under a rock for like the past 30 years. Um, <laughs> Evil is my little brother. Like we, mm-hmm. you know, we have the same mom and dad. Yep. So the crew started like when my mom bring them home from the hospital. That's when the crew started. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, 
Now, it was always me, well, Mr. Wall, Evil D. Yeah. We was trying to bring other people in to, you know, to, for them to branch off and do their own thing and and stuff like that, but that really didn't pan out. Like, you know, when we would tell people, oh, yeah, it's Mr. Wall, Evil D, but there's other people, uh, people wouldn't really reflect to that. Mm. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, I guess uh, my understanding of your guys' kind of division of labor, and this is more based on back in the day, so you please tell me if this has evolved, was kind of that Walt would supply the records and Evil D would actually, like, touch the buttons to actually make the beats. Has, has, is that, was that ever the case? Is never. that still your modus operandi? <laughs> no, no, please, that, please educate no, us. That, no, that, was, that was, yeah, that, that was not. That, no, um, we, we both make beats. We both... Um, all right, so beat miners, how the way it's always been is like we, we both are hands-on producers and we work yeah. separately and together, but it all goes under the beat miner name. Yeah. But if you needed to really break it down, <laughs> the technical making a beat right now. <laughs> right, well, right, yeah. The technical guy in beat miners is Evil D. He's the guy, he keeps up with all the new um Stuff yeah, just that's coming out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And the record guy, the guy who knows the breaks and who does, you know, we both do digging, but like digging is like a part of my DNA. Is yeah. With me, Mr. Walt. That, that um, makes sense. Thank you for yeah. breaking that down. I, I uh, think, please speak on it. I think people got it mixed up because I always said when we did enter the stage, I stole most of the records from Walt. Right. <laughs> like Walt will go to work, we'll run into his room, and I'll grab a bunch of records and make whatever beat I'm going to make. And, you know, I guess people took that as, okay, so Walt got all the records, and he makes all the beats. Right. Nah. Too nah, simplistic. We, both, we right. both um put in work. You know, um, I'm more technical, so... You know, I may I may do like a little more technical stuff, and Walt is the record guy. Like, if I needed a particular sound, I'd be like, "Yo, Walt, uh, yo, you got a record with a ba 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 on it." Mm. So you know, yeah. Like Walt's Walt's absolute. Like Walt is the record dude to a point where other producers hit him up and ask, right, right, for you know access sample clearance stuff and all that. You and know. the crazy, the crazy thing about it is, um, I used to work in a record store. Mm. Both of us, we we both worked in a record store. Uh, mm-hmm. what, is it Music Factory? Yeah, I was in Music Factory in Jamaica Queens from '87 to '91. Yeah, and what and, would it be without you, right? Right, and Q-Tip <laughs> said that in yeah. in Low and Theory, he said that. <laughs> so. You know, um, it, it started from there. You ever seen that episode of Married with Children? Hey. Where Al Bundy. Yeah. He, uh, he go the name him. of his, his. Yeah. The hum, hum, him. him. Yeah. That I guy have. is me. That's, that's me. That's that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. That's super dope, man. Um, I, I wonder, like, do you have any stories about people coming in and just raiding the shop? Do you have like a. Questlove came in and bought the whole thing, or maybe that's too early. Maybe Pete Rock for this this time frame. Do you have any any like crazy tales of people just coming in and raiding the I mean, music factory? We had we had regular customers. Like no one, 
All right, first of all, we sold, we didn't sell like old Dusties. Right. Mm. Like, you know, we, we, we didn't specialize in that. We specialized, we had the ultimate, um, the breaks ultimate and beats. breaks and beats. We had yeah. those. And then we had like all the recent records and all, like new records, they would come in and we would have those. But our regular customer customers was like, Run DMC and LL and mm. and that's where I met Q-Tip, uh, Fife and Jerobi. I met them there. Pass, Dave and Mace used to come in. Like everybody came in there. Um, occasionally, uh, Ice T might walk in or wow. Yo Yo or um, that's dope. Like I would tell you that when Trouble T Roy passed, the ones who told me. That he passed was Dell, Sir Jinx, and Yo Yo. They they came to my job like on a wow. Sunday. Wow. I was like, yo, Trouble T Roy passed. And I was like, what? I'm bugging the fact that they're in the store, but yeah. they're the ones who told me what happened. I was like, wow. So, you know, like a lot of people when they would come to Queens, they would go to that store. And I met I met a lot of people. Majority of the people I met in the industry, I met them in that store before I even made records. That's crazy. Yeah, uh, that's that's crazy. I I feel like uh, digging beat digging culture um, took a lot from y'all. Like the the first time I I knew and understood it to be a cool thing that people did. Um, was around the time that like into the stage and all that came out. I wonder how you guys feel about where vinyl is like wait, super hot now yeah wait rephrase that like they took it from us like i mean no uh, i think i think more like popularizing the the coolness of going to search for a record for instance um when into the stage came out right. it was a big thing for me and the homies to be like what is that record let's go right. find that record let's like they were uh -huh. these breaks and then you know you see things in the source and such and it's like oh, oh man evil d like they these these dudes is on some some next level stuff, and so it's kind of like vinyl culture has just exploded since then. And so I'm curious to get y'all take on like how has that, that digging most, changed over the years? Well, when when we were all right, first of all, to give the proper credit, you know, early in the early days, it was like every body was using every James Brown and George Clinton yep. record ever made. Yeah. But I feel, and this is just Mr. Walt, like his thing, I feel like people like Africa from the Jungle Brothers, mm. people like Diamond D, and they they are the ones who kind of made it go, they did, they went further with it. And the Q-tips yeah. and all of them, they went further with it, and we all followed. Mm. Yeah. Like someone like Premier, Premier had a shitload of records back in Texas. And then, you know, when he moved to New York, his knowledge, he may have left the records though, or maybe he brought them, I'm not, I don't know. But his knowledge of music, he brings his knowledge of music. Mm. And so when he got to New York, he was just, he knew what to look for when he went record shopping. Yeah. And then you got people like Lord Professor, Lord Professor, his brain was crazy. So we all came up together, mm. even though like, I feel like people like Africa, kind of took it to the next level. We just followed them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. 
What you trying to say, E? Nah, I was about to just I was about to interject and say, nah, Premier brought his records up. He told you the story about the pickup truck. Right, 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 right. And the right, back right. of the pickup truck was all his records. Oh right. wow. That's crazy. Right. Um, D, I'm interested yeah. how you made the transition from DJing into producer. Was it just a natural thing? Did you always do both? Like, can you tell us a little bit about your personal history? Well, uh, I'm gonna tell you like this. I started DJing because I have an older brother. <laughs> and he was DJing and I was like, yo, I'm better than him. <laughs> you know, like on, on, on the real, that's really how it started. Big brother, yeah. little brother type thing. And um, what a lot of people don't understand is when you're DJing, you're actually producing. Yeah. You know, if you're cutting, scratching, blending, all that, that's production. That's your interpretation of that song. Um, so... Technically, uh, all DJs are producers. Mm. Now, Walt started producing. Walt, you know, started um, making beats and, you know, doing his thing. And, of course, when Walt did it, it was like, yo, yeah, I'm producing now, too, you know? Yeah. And that's exactly how it started. And, you know, but what happens is, even though, like, me and Walt, we live in the same house and everything, we both had our different styles and we had our different crews i had one crew he had another crew you know but when it came to records i would just come here and steal walt's records <laughs> <laughs> that's dope man um can you guys both talk a little bit about um the the filtered baseline it's like uh, yes. i know this is we're, we're talking about history we can move up the timeline a little bit um, soon. But in the 90s, I feel like you guys are really associated with the sound of the filtered baseline and how thick it was. And can you talk a little bit about how you stumbled upon that or how that became part of your repertoire? I'll, I'll tell you like this. I did it by accident one day. We have we have a, um, a sampler we actually did enter the stage on, the six, uh, Kai 612. Mm. And it has a filter knob. And one day I turned the knob and it was just bass. And I was like, yo, this is crazy. But of course, we wasn't the first ones to do it. Right. You know, we we would what we did was we just took it to another level. Yeah, P you know Rock did it before us, Q Tip, yeah. Professor. I think even Biden. Molly did it before yeah. us. Wow. And the thing is, like a lot of people associate us with it because we did it. More, we did it way more often, and we did it a different way where it stood out, you know. But Casper Force was filtered. Like I didn't know Casper Force was filtering. Mm -hmm. I okay. thought I stumbled on something new. But then when I started really listening to the re the records that was out at the time, you, I was noticing, oh no, that person filtered too. Yeah, you know, and they they had a nine fifty. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I had the six twelve, which was. Which is the six twelve is the mother of the nine hundred nine fifty sampler, except you could only sample one thing at a time, like one just one thing only. The nine fifty you can sample eight different things. Wow! Mm. And if you know how to really bounce it and flip it, you can sample ten different things. You know, because the the left and right output, you can use those as um, outputs also. But yeah, like. You know, like I wasn't doing anything that anybody else didn't do, except when we, like, when we um, made our style of how we made beats, 
it's just our filters. We did ours a little different than anybody's. Like we, we, we. I don't know. We had the funk to it. I guess I don't know that that Dugar Brothers funk. I don't know. <laughs> we, you know, we, the the six twelve played a big part of that because the way the six twelve sampled it left it left kind of a vibe off of the filter. So that's why into the stage sounds like that because mm. of the six twelve. Yeah, we didn't have equipment when we did. Into the stage. Well, we right. didn't have we didn't have professional equipment. Right, we didn't have professional equipment. We had we had the piece of shit equipment we had here. Right. <laughs> and when we when we got our money from into the stage, we went and bought some real equipment, and that's when we made the shining. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And once we made the shining, we were sitting there with the SP. I think I had an SP. Wall had an SP. Right. Wall had two nine hundreds. I had a nine fifty. Right. So you know. What about the uh, the enter the stage remixes, which are almost their own kind of epic tale? Were those made once you guys kind of leveled up the machinery, or those from the the older era? No, nah, we made those. Stage what? He's talking remixes. about the remixes. We we made those. Oh. We le- we learned how to use machines by then. Okay. Yeah. You know, we we like the remixes was us programming. Mm. Before we would just go in and go. Okay, we I took that part right there. Let's take that part. Like we was directing everything. Mm. Right. Sample that kick, sample that snare. No, it wasn't even that. It was actually loops. Mm-hmm. Loop these drums and loop these drums. You know, and turn turn the filter down to 30. Like we it, it, we we knew what we we knew what we wanted. Yeah. You know, that we knew what sense. we wanted. Yeah. And, we would just direct the engineer, yo, we, this is this and that, that. Um, chop that right there, you know. Mm. It wasn't like we went in there and said, yo, here's the record, you do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember watching a documentary um, you guys were featured in years ago. I used to work in a record store as well, and we would carry all these like DVDs at the time. And correct me if I'm wrong again, I might be misremembering, but I remember them filming in your guys' house and you had a crazy stack of uh, tape recorders and you would make make your mixtapes literally in your house. You would take a master tape and then dub it down on all these different stacked up tape decks. I'm remembering that correctly? Uh, I had um, had 10 um, 10 double cassette decks that recorded on both sides. That's insane. And what I would do is I would make my master tape after I make my master tape, I would take the master, because the master was made on the four-track machine. Mm. I would take the master and dump it down 20 copies. That and I would crazy. sell, I would I would um have 20 masters. Right. And then I would give those to the cats that was manufacturing tapes. Okay, so you didn't actually use it to manufacture your own mixtape runs. You in did the beginning, it to make I did. the masters. Wow. In the beginning, I did. Like, when I was just selling locally, you know, yeah. when I was doing it locally, I did that. But yeah. um, when it got bigger, um, cats who was manufacturing, like Tape Kings and uh, Tapes D, top dot DE and a whole bunch of other cats, was buying masters for me. Wow. And you know, but I still sold I still sold copies also. Yeah. 
this is kind of a weird question because this is quite a while ago and time has changed a lot. But I guess I want to ask you, like, do you miss those days? Like, was it simpler then? Was it funner then? You get what I'm asking? It was more fun. Yeah, because what it was, it like back then your mixtape was your calling card. Yeah. Mm. And it wasn't about the exclusive. It was about your skills. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, yo, you made a dope mixtape. It was like, yo, did you hear that? Da, 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 yo, mm-hmm. he, he was cutting up this and, yo, he played this record and da, 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 da. You know, like before the politics and the whole, you know, your mixtape was your, you know, mixtape was just you rocking, you know, and yo, like those days, like back then it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I have to imagine it was a pretty decent income stream too. Cause there was, you know, not a lot of middleman. You could just like take it directly to the consumer and have cash in your pocket that day. That's, that's not yeah. a lot of producers have that. You, usually there's payments and royalties and right. studio yeah. fees and all that stuff. It's a little different from having just something you can pass and, you know, transact. Well, you know, right it, it was, it was cool. Like, you know, it was something that it, it was some, number one, it was something that I had fun doing. Cause other than that, I would spend most of the day DJing anyway. Right. Right. So to make a mixtape, it was like, okay, let's go on and make this tape. What are we going to call this tape? I'm going to call this tape, blah, blah, blah. And we would start from there, you know. And but it's like you know, all good things must come to an end. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 At least you get the room back. You know, the space back in your room where you don't have so many tape decks. You could like get a mini <laughs> fridge or something like that. <laughs> Yo, it's, man, I, 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 I'm, I'm tell you like this. The one thing I liked about the tapes, the um, tape machines, they was never in the way. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was just like it was in a wall right here. Oh wow! So that's it was the like, room. Okay, you know, you're sitting in that room still. No, there's kid the other the room next to it. it that's that actually wow. my that's, that's so my, cool, man. My, my studio and my yeah. stream room. Wow, you know, and the studio, like you know, in our house, you know, we've lived in the same house all the time. So wow, there's like, so much history made there. That's amazing. Yeah. When when did you come up with the uh, with the the drop, the tagline. Oh, Evil D's on the mix. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, okay, here, I'm, I'm going to tell you the story. I'm going I'm to shorten it down because it's a long story. But what happened was um, I went uptown. Um, I used to do, I used to, I used to do radio with my friend. I'm um, out up at um, uh, Hunter College. Mm. So I would just make these mixes for him. And, when I was making the mixes for him, he was playing them. And, you know, of course, it's on the radio up there, so it's going over the air. And so I'm standing on the corner of my block. No, first of all, my mistake, I skipped the whole thing. Um, on my way home, um, I would pass Willie Burgess. In front of Willie Burgess is Kid Capri. Oh, wow. Selling his tapes back then. And, um... I ended up getting a, a kick pre-tape because I'm hearing all the stuff about him, blah, blah, blah. So I got a kick pre-tape and I'm listening to it on my way home and I'm like, oh, man, this guy talks too much on his tape. <laughs> Why is he doing this? Like, the tape is good, but he's talking and, ah, <laughs> oh, I don't do this on my tape. What's with the music play? So couple days later, I'm on the corner of my block trying to talk to this girl. 
This guy drives up in the car. He's playing my mixtape. It's a blend that I'm do that I did. Mm-hmm. So I'm listening, and I say, "Yo, my man!" Like trying to impress the girl. I say, "Yo, my man, who made that tape?" He said, "Me, sucker!" And drove off. <laughs> <laughs> so the girl was laughing. I was like, "Yo, that's messed up." I went. I want to. I went across the park to my heart. I used to hang out across the park. Like we live. We live on a block where there's a park, and I would hang on the other street across from the park. So I went over on the other street, and my boys are there. And I'm like, yo, man. Because I told him what happened. And he was like, yo, you need to, you need to make like a, a drop. Mm-hmm. Like Red Alert has, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And Magic got magic. Magic is here. And, you know, yeah. it was like, yo, you need, you need something like that. And we were sitting on that steps. And every 10 minutes, somebody would yell something stupid. <laughs> and you know and what ended up happening was we had this dude down with us named Butter L Butter L's mother comes around the corner and now his mother doesn't speak good English and she's like Luis Luis come get the chicken Luis come get the chicken come come on get, get, come on get the chicken come on and we start killing him <laughs> And out of that, it went from Lewis, come get the chicken, to yo, yo, Lewis, your mother wants you to kick it. <laughs> yo, your mom wants you to kick it. And it went from that to yo, E, yo, E's on the mixer. Your mom's going to kick it. <laughs> to Evil D is on the mix. Come on, kick it. Wow. Yeah, I, mom, nev- I never knew my this boy. Story. <laughs> my boy Mizey wow. is is the creator of wow. Evil D is on the mix. Come on, kick it! I that never knew this so story. Funny. That's yeah. so tight. We're and breaking news to Mr. Wall. Who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> like Walt, Walt never asked. And the yeah, funny thing, I was, I was like, "What the hell are you saying? Like, why yeah. are you saying that?" Now, what the funny thing was when I first did it, I remember God rest the dead. I remember Fife. Hearing one of my tapes and going, yo, what's that roller skating call you're doing? What's going on? (laughs) (laughs) And what happened was eventually it went from people laughing at it and making fun of it to people saying it. Yeah. Yeah. Like one of my great DJ moments is Black Moon had a show, our first show in Paris. Wow. We go to Paris and we we had got off the plane. The plane was late. We got off the plane and went straight to the spot. So I'm thinking we doing a regular small club. So I get on the mic and I go, yo, turn the lights up so I can see all the people up in here. And it turns on and it's 5,000 people in the spot. Wow. And it's like three levels. And I'm like, yo. <laughs> and before all the black, you know, before we start our shows, I always say, Evil D's on the mix. Come on, kick it. And I said, Evil D is on the mix. And the crowd yelled, wow. <laughs> and I was like, yo, we made it, son. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting chills. I can't imagine how you yeah. feel. Yo, that's that so was dope, like, the, that's the killer. And it's funny because, to this day, like I start my parties like that and all that, and everybody's like, you know, I'll be like, Evil D's on the mix. I'm like, come on, I got it. 
I'm uh, I'm obsessed with sound bombing the raucous compilation that you mix. Yes. You say it yes. a couple of times on there, mm-hmm. and you uh, stick a incense cone up Finsta Bunsy's nose on there, I believe. And yeah, uh, stick, wow. an incense, stick an incense <laughs> up Finsta's nose. Yeah. Um, wow, do you have any wow. stories about putting that together, or how they approached you, or was it? Did you have all those actual records, or were some of them exclusives? Like, can you just talk about that a little bit? I've always wanted to know. Okay, here's here's how the whole sound bombing thing got put together. Back in the days, we had the conventions. We had the Gavin. Gavin, yeah. We had the uh, Jack the Rapper. And there was another convention. I can't remember it. How can I be down? Yeah, how can I be down? So, you know, know, for those conventions, we would make sample tapes. Mm. And I always got hired by labels to make sample tapes. So at the time, we was talking to Ruckus. I think I was talking to Ruckus about um, what was talking to Ruckus on some, y'all, I want to do a record for y'all. Mm-hmm. I was on the other side like, yo, let me make a, let me make a sample tape for you. Because mm-hmm. Ruckus was hot. Yeah. So I said, yo, let me make a sample tape for you so y'all can have something for the convention. And they was like, sure. So they, they let me in, gave me like, a bunch of exclusive records. Mm. And they was like, you have access to all our artists, to, you know, for freestyles or whatever. So I was like, okay, this, I want this artist, I want this artist, this artist. And basically, one night we went, one, it was all done in one night up at oh, D&D. Wow. We went up to D&D and I took my four track because I was making a mixtape. Yeah. I was just using D&D because... I'm not bringing all these people to my house. <laughs> so, I'm gonna steal your tape decks. <laughs> <laughs> so we, you know, so we basically I recorded it just like how I recorded a regular mixtape. Wow. The only difference is we recorded the freestyles. You know what I'm saying? We recorded the freestyles at, you know, you actually in D and D. Yeah. That's uh, the okay. only difference. And when I put it together, it was put together not to be sold. Mm. It was put together to give away for free. Mm. But it was so too that's good. why I'm <laughs> on there joking and whatever, whatever. Because I'm not thinking, yo, this is something that's going to be in stores. Now, after Ruckus got it, they loved it so much, they called me up and they go, yo, this is incredible. Like, we, we can't give this away. We have to sell it. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, you out of your mind? Don't sell that with you. Nah, chill. <laughs> oh. This is dope. And they was like, yo, we'll give you royalties on it and this, that, and a third, and blah, 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 blah. I was like, all right. Now, here's the crazy thing. That's the only album Ruckus ever did where they seen a return. Wow. That was the only album they ever wow. seen a return. Because it didn't cost them anything. It cost them literally maybe $5,000 to do that. Right, right. Five studio time, something for you, and yeah. No, I didn't get. I I didn't really get nothing. Wow. Because I was doing it on the strength. Right. Yeah. So they. That's how much they probably spent the studio time, and that's it. Crazy. And so then you know, it it comes out and it blows up, and Ruckus ain't give beat miners a damn check for nothing. <laughs> Really? No royalties. No nothing. No I, was to, I, was, I was about to ask if you ever got a royalty check on that. No, because it was supposed to be on the beat. It was on the beat minus. Oh. So we would have got a royalty check on that. Right, right, right. And we never 
did. Mm. Mm. So shout out to Ruckus. That is crazy. Man, I'm sure there Ruckus. are Ruckus, <laughs> Ruckus who failed because they Number one, they didn't know how to cut that check. And number two... No, no, no. They knew how to cut the check. They were just cutting the check to the wrong people. Yeah, and that is true. That is and, true. It was, and, and some of the A&Rs was cutting the check to themselves. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We had a couple of A&Rs that, was, that were always looked out for us and stuff like that. They, they took care of us. Like Michael Ron, Michael Ron, who's over at Shady, he, was always, he always took care of us. Yeah. Uh, but everybody else, yo, our, and Michael Ron was even our A and R. He was, he was. I think he was G Rap saying all. He was somebody saying all. But G-Raps. he always looked out for us. Yeah, he always looked out for us. But everybody else, they were just dipping in the goddamn cookie, uh, cookie jar. <laughs> yep, yep. That's what they were doing. So you know, coming to the studio, yo, what yo, you hear, yo, you hear to hear something. No, nah, I came to buy weed. I came to buy weed. Our <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was supposed to come to our session. He's up in, in D&D buying weed from the weed man. This I said, Joe, you're supposed to be here while we working. He didn't even come for that. Oh, no. Nah, y'all can handle it. Yep, that's what he said. Y'all can handle yeah. it. Y'all can handle it. Come on, you're the beat miners. Y'all can handle it. Yep. Oh, man. Um... Thanks so much for that 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 background story. Um, it's all good. It's been it's been thirty plus years. Uh, last season we did a, a whole retrospective about Into the Stage and it, for its thirty thirty year anniversary. Um, the Shining is going to turn thirty years old um, in a in a year or so. Mm-hmm. Um, when you kind of reflect back, when y'all think about all the work that you've done with so many incredible rappers. Um, Who's the easiest to work with? Who's the easiest rapper? Because y'all produced in the days of like actually being present. You weren't just flying files to people all the time. Right. Who was who was the the easiest rapper to work with? Me. Um, yeah, <laughs> Evil, Evil D is the easiest one. Um, maybe Karis one. Wow, Karis. interesting I think answer. I, I would, you know what? I'll put Sadat on that list too. Sadat, okay. Karis one. Um, um, not and this is not including our crew, <laughs> right? Sure. Yeah, um, is it is it no comment for your crew because you don't? <laughs> no, 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 no. You know what it is? I didn't. I don't. I don't want it to be like hey, he's gonna say his crew, right? 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 So, right. You know, we um, as far as for the crew goes, everybody was easy to work with. Yeah, like um, extremely easy. I mean, outside of outside of actually being in the booth. I mean, everybody else have their quirks and shit like that, but right. no, like Tech and Steel, Tech and Steel. I like, I really like working with Tech yeah. and Steel because we did the split mic thing. Like yeah. Tech wouldn't go in and do a verse, and then Steel would go in. They were going together, wow. but we would have them. Like we had a gigantic vocal room, so we would have Tech on one side yeah. and Steel on the other side. I remember. It, I'm sorry, well, I I remember when. We was doing the first Smith and Wesson recording, and you know I was like, "Yo, you know," it was like, "Yo, what's wrong?" And it was like, "Yo, I'm not feeling it," because you know I go in and do the verse, he go in and do the verse, and we put the. We was like, "Yo, let's put another mic stand up," and I remember that was the only time my engineer ever said, "I don't think that's a good idea." Right. I was like, and I was like, "Nah, it's gonna work," and I think Walt was like, "Yeah, it's gonna work." Yeah, and 
their no. chemistry o- overruled the weird sonic element of it. Yeah, we didn't he care was, back then. But he was worried about, like, say we put Tech and Steel in a room, and Tech is rhyming. He mm. would worry about Steel's vocals lead leaking into Tech. Yeah, right, right, leaking into Tech's thing. But we didn't care about all that stuff. Yeah, we didn't yeah, care for sure. Yeah, we didn't. We care just want to make. We just want to make a dope record. Right, and, and you did. Uh, it's, it's funny because now, what I know about recording and all that, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have did it. Yeah, and yeah. I'm glad yeah. Yeah. I didn't have the knowledge that I have now. Right. But now it's kind of too late because that's just the way it goes now. So. Yeah, I, I have a more general question for both of you, which is that as producers, do you care what the rappers are saying? Like, do you care about certain subject matter? Do you care about like cursing or like certain themes or areas? Like, do you try to stay out of that and let them keep that as their lane? Or like in your style of production beyond making beats, do you try to guide the content of the song at all? Um, because we're older now, yeah. Mm. But back then, back then we were like, um, we didn't really care. Like, you know, it's listen, it's. We're all there to make a song. So yeah. and the song is all of ours. So mm. just as long as everybody's everybody's on the same page, like, you know, but now we're all in our fifties and stuff like that. So it's like, yo, I can't really talk about like you talking about stuff that you did in the nineties and twenty twenty four, dude, like we can't do that, B. We're old <laughs> men. Like, yeah. come on, girl, like let let's one thing I will say about new Smith and Western music. What I love about Smith & Wesson's new stuff is, even though like we didn't produce it, but I'm still a fan, so I'm always going to listen. Yeah. They mature. They like mm. they mature, and you can hear it in their lyrics. Like yeah. their lyrics, it's grown lyrics. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. the Shining was all about being a part of the Decepticons and and crime and blah 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 this and that. If you listen to their new stuff, because we're we're helping mix their new album. Mm. We're hearing all the new stuff. It's like all grown man shit. So you know, yeah. I always, I'll always like, I love that. I love that. I'm very impressed with that. Absolutely. I feel like um, just the whole boot camp click was ushered in a particular type of sound and rap. And I'm curious to get y'all opinions on, I think it also helped usher in um, another movement, which is more recent called lo-fi i don't know if you guys uh, uh, tap mm-hmm. in with this I, I was talking to somebody about it yesterday yeah so but, i i i've joked like hey lo-fi is just somebody trying to do an evil d beat uh right. <laughs> basically yeah that's what yeah. it is yeah that's the what funny, it is. the funny thing is oh sorry well go ahead yeah no we're just gonna say no i was about to say the funny thing is um i was just looking at this sampler the 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 what is it the ko it's a new sampler, a new lo-fi sampler that came out. And it looks like a calculator. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I was looking at it like, hmm, like my boy Ski has been, um, Ski Beats, he's been oh, yeah. messing with it. And I was, and you know, I hit him up. I said, yo, what's that about? And he was like, yo, E, this is ill, blah, 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 blah. And like, even with like the, there's a there's an app called, uh, what is it? Koala Cola? Yeah, Koala Sampler. Koala, like I, I used, I used that a couple of times. You know what I'm saying? Because I was like, let me see how this is. My, my engineer put me up on that. 
But it's like all this, all the lo-fi stuff. I'm like, yo, all I gotta do is make a beat in the SP, and that's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's attempting to sound like that. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I have my SP, so you know, my my SP works. Wow. Both of them work. So you know, it's like I'm not, you know. When I when I hear that stuff, I'm like, oh, this is nothing. I have to make a beat in the SP, and that's it. <laughs> See, this, this is a perfect example why Evil D is the, like the nerd of beat miners, and he's the tech guy because Koala and Ko, all that shit is French to me. I don't know none of that stuff. Yeah, just give me an MPC and some records, and I'm good. <laughs> Yo, um, Walt, Walt, Walt wakes up in the morning. First thing he does is turn on an MP. Yeah. When Walt's getting ready, I'm surprised Walt's not like Walt's probably sitting in front of it now doing the interview. <laughs> no, no, no. I had to, I had to come upstairs. Yeah. I'm curious with all the great records you guys have done. Do you have something you consider to be your masterpiece, either individually or together? I, I will say this: that that record that Walt did with Britney Spears was crazy. What? 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 I don't remember. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> no, it's funny because when I said that, y'all faces kind of was like, what? I was like, oh, we're going to get aggregated on the news. This is going to be exciting <laughs> for us. <laughs> no, we like, like every record we've done, good or bad, and it's always something about that record that's memorable. You mm. know what I'm saying? And stuff like that. But we have a few. Like if a record has a good story behind it, then it's like, yeah, that's one of that's a memorable record and stuff like that. But um all the records, they they are special to us. All of them. Yeah. Just can't choose between your children, huh? I get it. Right. No, that's what it is. <laughs> Chuck D said that once and that always stayed in my head. Like one of those records are all your kids. Yeah, yeah, but Nation of Millions is clearly better than the new ones, though, right? Hey, that's how I feel. <laughs> I feel like it takes a Nation of Millions is the greatest record in any genre. You can ask me, yo, what's your favorite goth record? I'd be like, yeah. it takes a Nation, Nation of Millions. Of <laughs> now, the funny thing is, once again, right? Me and Walt, this is our this is our big this is our big argument, right? Walt loves uh Takes a nation of millions. Fear of a Black Planet is my better album. Okay. That's an amazing album. Yeah. They're both great. Better than Take a Nation. Millions <laughs> I'm, with, was better. I'm with you, Walt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Millions was like, to me, the problem I got with Fear of a Black Planet is it's all over the place. Where yeah, Take a Nation, where Millions was just, it was a nice, smooth vibe, but it was, everything was put together well. <laughs> You just cool. listening today? <laughs> no, no, no. Like I have, like I still have music on my phone. Yeah, yeah. And that, cause you know, whenever I transfer phones, everything is transferred. Yeah, Yo, right. that's listen. Been on my that those those stay on my phone. Yeah. Take a nation of millions is the reason why Beatmon is there. Wow, that is true. That is true. I was because I was I I did not lock in the fact of being a producer. I was still I didn't know what I wanted to do. And this was when I was working in Music Factory. Delight from Stessa Sonic came in with a black cassette and said, Yo, Walt, you need to listen to this. Now, this was way before the record even came out. And I was like, what is it? He said, trust me, listen to it. He didn't tell me what it was. I popped that cassette in. It was Nation before it came out. And when I listened to that shit front and back, that's when I said, 
yep, this is what I want to do. I want to make beats. Wow. When I heard that yeah. album, I said, this is exactly what I want to do. And every right. year... Follow-up like, question. Did you bring it home and play it for your brother, or did you leave it at the store? Oh, no, I bring it home. The <laughs> era... Listen, and I the stole era, it. That era, that era, when I was in Music Factory, that was the era when we would get everybody's album, or we would hear everybody's yeah. album way before. before it came out, and we would just dub cassettes and give it to each other. Yeah, right? Walt, Walt gave me a copy of that. And yep, and I said, so, E, you got to listen to this. Because I, I never really liked Public Enemy when I first... You didn't like Yo Bummers the show? I didn't, I didn't really... Oh, you want to hear the story? Like you want to hear the story? Yes, see. Yeah. All right, check this out. I'm listening to Marley... Public Enemy. Listen, listening Public to Enemy. Marley on Red Alert. And Public Enemy number one comes on. Right. And I hear the... Wow! I'm like, yo, this is hell. This is fight music. Because yep. you know, it was hip hop was this. Yeah, right. So when I heard that, it was like, yo, yo, and you know, I, yo, did you hear that? Yo, that's ill. Ba 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 ba. Yo, Walt, I just heard this new record, and ba ba ba. Walt goes, man. Take that shit off. <laughs> That's why. He said, yo, no. it's this mad noise. What's wrong with you? I'm like, nah, Walt, this is dope. Nah, that's noise. Now, I love that record so much that I went searching for the record and I ended up finding two copies of Bummer's The Show. So I bring that back home <laughs> and I'm like, Walt's <laughs> like, take that shit off. Now listen, don't get me wrong. I loved my Uzi Ways a ton. Yeah. And I loved time like Time Bomb. I love Time, time Bomb. bomb. Time yeah. Bomb was incredible. Right? But they sampled Blow Your Head. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, why would they sample this part? This is whack. <laughs> what is this? This is noise, right? No. So so let me continue the story. So I'm I'm not feeling it, right? So then one day, now keep mind you, we're both working in record stores. So but for some reason, we didn't know we didn't get Yo Bum Rush the show yet in our store. We got it, but I never really listened to it. Right? Like so the trash. No, I just left it on the wall. <laughs> like we would have a box of records, I would leave it on the wall. Yeah. Um one day I'm listening to Red Alert and we hear brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Brothers and sisters, I don't know what this world's coming to. And when I heard that when the beat dropped, like we had mad James Brown records, but we never yeah. really listened, listened, listened to them. James Brown is one of my favorite performers. My, my mom always said when I was a kid, when I was crying, to stop me from crying, she would throw on James Brown records. That's how much I love wow. James Brown. Right, but I'm hearing I know they sampled the grunt, but I didn't really do my homework. I'm thinking when I heard Rebel Without a Pause, I'm thinking these guys mic'd a teapot <laughs> and fucking sampled the teapot and put funky drummer behind it. So I'm calling these guys, oh my god, these guys are incredible. What is this? Oh my god, this book could change my life. 
not going crazy, right? The scratches, those those scratches, the rock and roll dude, incredible, yo. Every time I see Johnny Juice, I gotta give him his props with this, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and stuff like that. Like, yo, this is incredible. And I knew Johnny because Johnny used to come to the record store. That's where I first met him. I met all of them in the record store, right? So I'm like, yo, what's going on? So then the next song I'm hearing is Bring the Noise. So I'm like, yo, it's getting better and better. This is incredible, right? That's when Delight comes in with the with the tape and says, you got to listen to this. He gave me that shit. That album changed my life. Changed my life. That album is the reason why Beat Miners is here. Every year we have the, for the anniversary, I get on social media, I get my little praise. Yeah. And when I would see Chuck or I would see Hank and Keith, I always say, yo, thank you, God. Thank you. Yo, you guys just don't know that record is my all, be, end all to be all. That record is my record. And, the, and they were a team, too. Now I'm just putting it together. The Bomb Squad right. was a production team. They were a production team. Right. And, and they're yeah. brothers. Yeah, and they're yeah, and they're brothers. Right. Yeah. Hank, so Hank, so the Bob Squad was originally the first beat miners. <laughs> <laughs> right. So dope. <laughs> that is so dope. Well, we're thankful for both uh It Takes a Nation and and the Beat Miners. We thank you guys so much for um, you, sharing your time with us. That was our interview with Beat Miners. Shout out to the Honorable Dave Ma for lining that up. Shout out to Mr. Walt and Evil D for being great sports. Um, and just, yes, it was such a dope conversation. It reminded me of the, you know, the all-timers where you get up and you kind of pace around your apartment afterwards because it was so dope and there's like nowhere to go with that. Evil there's no D one. was on the Zoom. Come on, kick it. <laughs> And you heard Evil D break down. He said for the first time. Yeah. He broke down the origins of of that um, DJ tag. Of, That's so cool. Of, at, at why it came to be and how he created it. So super dope. They were in. They were in the pad, and now I feel like I have. I don't know if you guys feel like this. Like when the Dungeon Family um, or the Organized Noise documentary came out, and you got to see the Dungeon. Now every time I hear. Some of that shit, I'm like, yes, I understand. I have a visual of where that went down. Totally. And so to talk to Mr. Walden Evil D in the house where a lot of those beats that we know and love so much were produced, um, it was so dope. And you guys can't see it because you weren't on the Zoom. But, and, and I yeah. will say... Uh, D had his camera on and Mr. Walt never turned it on, which oh, is, it's an interesting, interesting, that's like a very like inside baseball thing. I keep track of everyone who doesn't, like, like most people 
not most. A lot of people don't want to be on the camera. Some who you'd be able to guess very easily. Some who yeah. are a little surprising. Mm-hmm. I think it's a better conversation if everyone can look at each other, but it's not necessary. Agreed, agreed. agreed. Well, Mr. Walt was so engaging and even to like needling us about certain shit, which was great. That's it, what it, I know it's, it's going obvious well. he's looking at the camera. Yes. Right? But yeah. he's, he chose not to be on the camera, which mm-hmm. is fine. I totally get I it. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it is kind of funny, and I'm not... I'm not saying it about them in any way, but like a lot of my images of these people that we interview are frozen in time, generally speaking, in the 1990s. Yep. And I know I don't look like how I used to look like in the 90s, but they don't either. So sometimes when people jump on, it's like, whoa. I don't know. I thought Evil D looked like Evil D. But Evil D did look like Evil D. I yeah. said it wasn't specifically about uh, that, but like, did Schooly D look how you thought he was going to look? No, not at all. Yeah. Right. Schooly yeah. D had a big old gray beard, dude. It was yeah. crazy. I was yeah. like, damn, this is, oh my God. Like, Is your son Schooly available? <laughs> <laughs> Can Schooly come out to play? Yeah, seriously. Uh, uh, yeah, it was, it was a great interview, and I feel like so many dots were connected for me about that time, about how they came to be, their approaches to production, and then the finale where I finally realized that the beat miners are made in the style of the bomb squad. I just, I, I couldn't put it together until that moment. I don't think you would without hearing all the backstory. Cause sonically it's just, it's like, two different worlds, it's two right. different worlds. Exactly. It's so, so loopy in one place and so stacked in the other. Right. Right. But there's huge fans of public enemy, as you heard in um, the debate, I wanted so bad to like opine on their debate about, Fear of a Black Planet oh, versus... Oh, fine, dude. It's your podcast. Yeah. I was like, uh, Mr. Walt, but <laughs> but Fear of a Black Planet has Terror Dome, which is the best song ever. Mr. Walt. Um, you know how it's going. The, the interview's just going. I don't want to stop it on my shit. But totally. yeah, it was, um, it was great to get some of their time and talk to them and just get the whole brother vibe. Um, Nate, you don't have a brother. I don't have that a brother. we know about. I have. <laughs> I have a sister. Yes. Um, I cannot imagine making any rap music with her. Um, but if you do, she hit likes me. country. Okay. Yeah, uh, she's a little country. You're a little rock and roll. <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah i I can't imagine working with a sibling or even like a close family member on like your life's creative project. I just yeah. find that. Um, uh, proximity mm-hmm. to be so I feel like it would be stifling like, right, right. but they have a great working relationship they have for many years they obviously are like good friends and collaborators I'm sure they fight like I grew up with um, a pair of brothers who fought insanely like the most yeah. savage yeah. physical As only brothers fighting can. I've ever seen like yeah. the, the to, I mean I could do a 10 part series on the <laughs> mental things they've done to try to destroy each other over the years. Like they continued well into adulthood, but I didn't like, I can't fight my sister. Like I would just win every time. It just wouldn't be fun. And it's not like that. We don't, we would never, we never physically fought in any way. So when my cousins that I'm discussing fought, it was so, I was like, Savage. whoa, dude, this level of viciousness is like mm-hmm. crazy to me. Um, I'll be over here playing a little league world series on <laughs> Nintendo until you guys figure this out. So anyway, it just, I was thinking about that, but there are a lot of 
it's my sister calling. Yeah. No to be like, bitch, gonna... I will suck your ass. Wow, that's, <laughs> that's crazy. First of all, I shouldn't have my cell phone ringer on when we're doing a podcast. Second of all, she never calls. Whoa. That's yeah. fascinating. Whoa, that's crazy. Okay, I'll yeah. call her later. Okay. Um, you guys have a mixtape coming out. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's probably why she's calling. She's and like, she's going to kick your ass. Do you have like, beats? Because I have a hot 16. <laughs> um... Anyway, um, Hilarious. so yeah, Dave, you also have a sister. I do, I do, uh, and she's a lot younger. Like she's eight years younger. Does so she mess with any hip hop at all? No, she barely. Does she understand with... your world? No, no, not at all. She's like my biggest supporter, but she has no idea who Black Thought is. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Or Black Thought's the guy on the Tonight Show to her. You know right. what I mean? Right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what is your sibling situation? I have two brothers. They are both younger than me, and they are twins. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do music. And they also fight bitterly. Um, and they do music. They've they've toured with Andre Nicotina. Like they do stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, they 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 do music. Um, but there's something. I think there's something about the twin dynamic that's just like I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, you guys just are tight because you have to be because ah. you've traveled this. You know, you're the same age. You're doing all the same stuff. You had to wear the same clothes for a long time. So I think it's a little bit different in the sense that. There's an expectation also that you guys are like real tight. Right. Um, twin hype, would you call it? Twin hype. Shout out to uh, <laughs> Do It to the Crowd. Um, yeah, yeah. So that is interesting dynamic to watch. And we worked on stuff a little bit. Their, their taste is different than mine. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if the, yeah. you, when you use that as your main reference point, not that there's anything wrong with Nicotine, right. no, that's no, not no, your no. vibe. No, but yeah. So we, You're like, I mean, we did. to the Yayo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but we did start coming up, but we're not going to do like an exhaustive list, but we, we bantered a little bit about some hip hop siblings. Yeah. And so the ones that I wanted to bring up is I don't think a lot of people think about this because they, this group did not blow up on the same level as most deaf did. And now Yasin Bey did as a person, Uh, but he has, he, he has a family band. Yep. It's called urban thermodynamics. Um, it's his sister, um, Sess. And his brother Medina Green and Medina Green Medina had, Green had their name. own thing too. Right. Yeah, right. yeah, later. Yeah. But he was in the group yep. um, uh, under a different name, which I'm not remembering right now. But it doesn't matter. Um, they they have a full project. It's like a full length, and they had a couple twelve inches back in the day. They're worth tracking down yeah. if you like that kind of like soulful underground hip hop steez. Like uh, most is the best part of it. I don't think I don't think even they would agree. Most is so charismatic, and at that time, like so like. He's very like beads. I don't know how to put it. Beads, like, incense, incense yeah, beads, right. yeah, oils. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, they have this song called "Hardcore Nights in the City," where the uh, the sister does the hook, and uh, it's it's worth a listen. I don't okay. think it's bad music. Okay. Um, it's it, it the full length was shelved, but there are uh, twelve inches on. I want to say Payday or Mercury or some kind mm-hmm. of like not quite major major label. Um, kind of thing, but that that's worth a listen, and uh, to think of it as siblings doing it, I think makes it kind of extra interesting. Yeah, I was a big fan of Medina Green in the um, the E rule. I won't call it a one hit wonder, but Smash Twelve Inch uh, Underground Crosstown. Yeah, beef. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I love yeah. that. Same, inch. Same. Amazing, amazing. Song. But are you remembering the Medina Green parts or the most deaf parts? I mean. <laughs> It was its own. Well, I playlisted it recently as I was kind of looking around to see if it was on. It was on Spotify. 
Um, it, you know, they had it's in the it's in the realm of slum village that you can be good at rapping without being good at rapping. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Like yeah. they mm. they they had chutzpah. Um, so I, I I always loved that song, but I didn't realize that they were siblings until much later. Um, so yeah, that that. Do you guys one. have any siblings? To talk like I do, I do. Yeah. I um, yes, Dave. Mine was also another um, rap triplets, and I and I'm not talking about Migos' delivery. <laughs> um, um, yeah, and I was googling this, and I'm like, dude, what if someone looks at my Google search? Like, they must fucking think I'm a fucking freak. Um, anyways, um, the Juggernauts, dude. Oh, that's such a good one. I know. I don't think about it. Buddy Slim, uh, Queen Heroin, and of course Breeze Bruin. Oh yeah, so like I, Sibs, yeah, like they're straight yeah, they're, up, they're siblings. Totally, and okay. That's that's the group. Like, yeah, um, I think most people think the group is Breeze Bruin under a different name. It's totally, not. totally. Queen Heroin's like a very prominent presence. Totally, and she's I'm, dope. I'm having trouble thinking of a lot of the Buddy Slim well, contributions. Well, um, clear blue, clear blue skies is is Slim and Breeze going back and forth. Right. Does Buddy Slim play the white guy? I think I think Breeze is the white guy. Okay, but yeah, either way. Yeah, um, oh, that, that was my pick, and I was like, oh, shit, that's crazy. Yeah. And, um, I mean, maybe the best sibling back and forth verse of all time. Totally. That's amazing. Yeah, Yeah, totally. I did not think about them. That's so dope. I thought of them immediately, because when we were talking to Breeze a lot, like a few years ago and stuff, I was like, oh, shit, I, to- I don't think of you guys as this familial troop, but obviously they are. And yeah. Are yeah. Arguably the best, dude. Yeah, yeah. pretty yeah. much. Yeah, if, you, if you're going bar for bar. There is a contender from Vallejo, though. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Right. So um, E40, who you guys are, you know, everybody who's listening to this is familiar with E40, Ooh. but his, uh, well, east of the Mississippi, you got to check. E40. <laughs> um, he, his, his first project was a group album with um, his brother, Be Legit. D-Shot is his brother. D-Shot is D-Shot. the brother. Brother. And- be legit is the cousin. Yeah, be legit, legit is the cousin. The cousin. Sugar, Sugar, Sugar T is the that's his sister. His sister. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> sister, 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 sister. Um, so they collectively were known as the Click. Um, so if you look up their first their first record, um, game related game, yep. which some of that stuff still holds up. Mr. Oh, yeah. Flamboyant songs like that are amazing. But yeah. yeah, it was a it was a whole family thing, which makes a lot of sense if you know like how small of a town Vallejo is. It wasn't like there's a super deep talent pool. Um, so he just kind of pulled, yeah, his his sibs and his cousins and made it happen and be legit, still be rap. I haven't heard about D-Shot in a long time. Uh, I love be legit, yeah. dude. Mm-hmm. Be legit still raps. Like, I think yeah. he has like a 2023 yeah, um, yeah. release. I was trying to get him on the program. So uh, I would love it. Okay. It's kind of in the works can. still. Okay. I could do an hour on So International. Yeah. I love that song. <laughs> uh, and then E-40 also has a bunch of songs with his son. Droopy. Droopy. Right, yeah. right. So he's just like got a franchise. That That's how you do it. My <laughs> seeds grow with his seeds, marry his seeds. Um <laughs> The the group that are the group that I was thinking about though was uh, Boogie Down Productions in the first uh, iteration. You have Chris and Kenny Parker. Oh, um, yeah. KRS two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My brother's name is Kenny. That's Kenny Parker. Um, right. Yeah. So they wow. he was an essential part of that whole group and is kind of like. Um, You'll hear on another episode, Brother Jay alludes to Kenny Parker's been doing these like YouTube videos, as a lot of the old schooler guys are doing now to kind of like break down stories and stuff. So 
while we don't hear about him a lot, I know he kind of DJed a little bit. Like he was just kind of around. But in the days when BDP was BDP, he was a, definitely a central figure along with um, the late great Miss Melody. Um, so I just think like in certain places, certain times, you roll with your sibs and your cousins because like that's who you got. Especially if you're coming from like economically disadvantaged positions, right. like you're not trying to recruit a whole group of other friends to do things. It's like how my mom used to say, you better take your brother along. <laughs> you better take your brothers along. Oh, you're going there? Like, oh, nope, you better do it. Right. And I don't want to get too far into this because I don't have a ton to say about it, but watching that main Nas documentary, Nas's whole career is super influenced by his relationship with his brother, Jungle. Totally. Yeah. And it yep. really seems like... Yep. Jungle was the one doing stuff, and Nas was the one describing it Rapping in rap songs. It. I don't yep, know right. that yeah. much about their dynamic, but that dude has a super weird energy, and it's like you can tell he's like been around. And- he's the original Jungle Brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mike G. So I just find that I find their relationship fascinating. I would love to read like a long New Yorker article or something totally, about yeah. all of the of stuff that's left unsaid in all these public forums. And I'm sure you could glean a lot of it from like decoding Nas lyrics. But that was one where he's not an artist necessarily, but he's always there. But he, he was for a bit. I, I like that we're out of the the time frame where rappers felt like they had to put their boys on, on. yeah yeah, yeah. where we're getting like whole nature and jungle songs together like you know but now they can just kind of be like oh we're grown men that are in his entourage like yeah. we don't we don't have to have uh records about that but you know we're all here for some sibling love on the dad bod rap pod uh, although we are not related um, <laughs> we roll we roll tight like sibs and uh, we appreciate you guys tapping in with us for season six. The best way to connect with us is on our Patreon, which is which is percolating right now. You should definitely tap in. It's patreon.com slash dadbodrappod. Uh, you get playlists. You get Nate's radio show, Fly Sporadic. You get interactive posts. We talk about what everybody's listening to. It's just a cool little community. Uh, it's only $5 a month or $51 a year to join up with the gang. We are on Twitter at DadBodRapPod. We are on Instagram at DadBodRapPod. We are on threads? Question, Question mark. mark. Um, <laughs> ultimate placeholder social media platform. Do, like, you, do you like copy the tweets and paste nah, them over there? Nah. You're, just, you're just not. No, because really. when I don't get a notification from that thing for like, you forget Six it weeks? Exists. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it exists. I, I think- know there were a lot of proposed Twitter alternatives. It seems like none of them are going to happen. And Twitter's right. like the ghost ship just floats forward in the night. Like, dude, yep. it's it's Twitter is basically Donald Trump. You know him, you hate him, and he's never going away. Like it's <laughs> never. <laughs> I don't care how much you want it to die. It's just it's not happening. Can we just do two seconds on the Trump shoes. <sighs> They're so ugly. Ridiculous. Do you guys know who Homelander is? He's like the main mm-hmm. hero in this Amazon show called The Boys. They look if for anyone who gets these references and David Demon are not as into shoes as I am, they look like what Homelander would wear on his day off. Oh my and god. And that is an insult. Well <laughs> <laughs> if you wanted to to encapsulate 
the complete decline of society. Like if they're digging through the Roman ruins, they will find those shoes. They are. They were like, this was the last. Dude. They're trash. Bro. How could they not be though? Four hundred dollars. How could they not be? It's so Jeez. crazy. I can't believe he did that. Like. For him to show up at SneakerCon, do you guys remember when we got invited to the San Jose SneakerCon? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. very yep. early days of the yep. pod, and yeah. we couldn't do Bobita it because of a there. scheduling right. thing. Yep. And I'm just like, dude, this is insane oh, I went. to me. Oh, you did? I went, but we didn't do a thing. No, we didn't do a thing on yeah. it. But I, I went, and I was like, you guys really like shoes, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, shoes, eh? <laughs> I like, like I also don't like getting thorns and rocks in my feet. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like, do you have a smart sandal that I could know? Um, yeah, I, I do remember going, and that's a world unto itself, but it's just proof we're in this incredible, weird, disgusting era where the most vile, disgusting thing is still a selling point. Right. Having him there and having him right. do the thing, no matter how bad they looked, right. um, no matter how pissed off people get about it, it actually helps. It's the whole, I mean, the Kanye Trump thing. Same, same. You know what I mean? So I, I read this newsletter by this guy named Mike Sykes. It's called Kicks You Wear. Um, it was recommended to me by a friend of the program, Josh Gondelman, and it's great. I get a lot of interesting sneaker tidbits from it. And he did a whole breakdown in a recent uh, post where I guess the founder of SneakerCon is a big Republican donor. Okay. So, there you go. Good to know. So no Biden shoes. Uh, <laughs> Sleepy fives. Yeah. <laughs> they're, bar- they're barely staying together. Yeah, exactly. Got these Delaware sixes. <laughs> Wouldn't it be like a loafer? It'd be yeah. like a like. <laughs> the dude, I looked so hard for a loafer that I could like. I want to incorporate a loafer into my yeah. whole vibe, and like, you cannot even get. I'll use a pun, a foot in the door for less than $350. That yeah. does not look like insane trash. It's just like I had a, I had tabs open for weeks. I was like really sweating it, but I couldn't until I could try it. You can't really – I'm not going to order a bunch of $350 loafers and get them sent to my house and then return them. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, I hear you. It has I to be you. a shopping thing. I can't, I, I can't do it online because if I'm going to start a whole new branch of shoe wearing, I have to see what it looks like on my foot, where right. it hits my jeans, right. like how right. the whole how, how the whole deal works. So if anybody wants to talk about that, I do have an email address. Yeah, please hit, hit Nate. Uh, he is a loafer, but he's not rocking loafers <laughs> just yet. But who knows? You guys keep supporting the Patreon. Maybe you can. we can get Nate in the loafs and the Gucci loafs. I'm always those, in... Those are eight fifty to start, and they actually look incredible, but that's... that's I've seen... I have I have some colleagues... I have two colleagues in, in the arts culture realm who wear gucci loafs no socks and i'm just like that is it, not only they don't stay gucci down to the socks <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> however <laughs> uh watching brain filled with rocks yeah <laughs> yeah that's pretty crazy dude. yeah You're kind of like sullying the loafers but if you broke it in and it just like fit your foot perfectly i bet you know it, it looks great dude yeah no it, it it looks great but i'm like yeah that's that's an that's an expensive thing to put your bare totally. foot into You're yeah like, i got a grant to ruin these shoes <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> um, so we started with beat miners and we ended with, with feet miners. Feet miners. Oh. <laughs> Damn it! And ended that's, with feet designers. <laughs> that's why you come here for beats and feet. Dad pod, rap pod. Evil D is on.